Coming up next on Passion Struck. We have to take a lot more ownership over the healthcare situation in our lives because the doctors are overwhelmed. You know your body better than anybody at the end of the day. You have to keep fighting for answers. You have to keep pushing. If something isn't feeling right, you've got to keep going and getting a new doctor if your doctor is maybe gaslighting you. And that's happened to me too. You just have to keep pushing. If the pain persists, so should you. You got to keep looking. Welcome to Passion Struck. Hi, I'm your host, John R. Miles. And on the show, we decipher the secrets, tips, and guidance of the world's most inspiring people and turn their wisdom into practical advice for you and those around you. Our mission is to help you unlock the power of intentionality so that you can become the best version of yourself. If you're new to the show, I offer advice and answer listener questions on Fridays. We have long form interviews the rest of the week with guests ranging from astronauts to authors, CEOs, creators, innovators, scientists, military leaders, visionaries, and athletes. Now, let's go out there and become Passion Struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 399 of Passion Struck, consistently ranked by Apple as the number one alternative health podcast. And thank you to each and every one of you who come back to the show weekly to listen and learn how to live better, be better, and impact the world. I am so excited to announce the Passion Struck 50 Week Challenge, which just kicked off. And each week throughout 2024, I will be sending out a new challenge in our newsletter, all aimed at helping you create a Passion Struck life. You can join the challenge yourself by signing up for our newsletter at passionstruck.com and joining our Facebook group. Additionally, I have a special invitation for you. I'm excited to introduce our new Passion Struck quiz. It's a unique opportunity for you to discover where you stand on the Passion Struck continuum. Are you an orchestrator? who balances various aspects of your life with passion and purpose? Or are you a vanquisher, conquering challenges and turning obstacles into opportunities? Take the quiz on passionstruck.com and find out which one resonates more with your journey. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for being here. Or you simply want to introduce this to a friend or a family member, and we so appreciate it when you do that. We have episode starter packs, which are collections of our fans' favorite episodes that we organize into convenient topics that give any new listener a great way to get acclimated to everything we do here on the show. Either go to Spotify or passionstruck.com slash starter packs to get started. And in case you missed it, earlier this week, I had two fantastic interviews. The first was with Jen Drummond, author of the new book, Breakproof, Seven strategies to build resilience and achieve your life goals. And throughout our discussion, I guide you on Jen's audacious journey to conquer the seven second summits. I also had on Dr. Scott Rick, an associate professor of marketing at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. Our interview focuses on understanding the emotional causes and consequences of consumer financial decision-making with a particular interest in the behavior of tightwads and spendthrifts. And if you love either of those episodes or today's, we would so appreciate you giving it a five-star review and sharing it with your friends and families. I know we and our guests love to see comments from our listeners. And more importantly, this brings more people into the Passion Struck community where we can bring them hope, meaning, and connection. In today's episode, I I am thrilled to welcome an exceptionally talented and resilient guest, Maria Menounos. Maria is a renowned television personality, actress, New York Times bestselling author, and journalist. But beyond her illustrious career in Hollywood, she has a deeply moving personal story of resilience, caregiving, and self-advocacy. As the daughter of Greek immigrants, Maria has built an extraordinary life grounded in the values of hard work and determination. Today, we'll explore how her upbringing shaped her into the passionate and resilient individual she is. From her early life experiences to her breakthrough in Hollywood, Maria will share the defining moments and challenges that have molded her journey. But Maria's story just isn't about the glitz and glamour of the entertainment world, she's faced profound personal challenges, including her mother's battle with glioblastoma and her own health struggles with a brain tumor and pancreatic cancer. These experiences have taught her invaluable lessons about caregiving empathy and the importance of being the CEO of your own health. 
In our conversation, we'll delve into the emotional roller coaster of dealing with a family member's illness while managing personal health crises. Maria will share insights in navigating complex communication in tough times, balancing caregiving with self-care, and the power of intuition and self-advocacy in her diagnosis and treatment. We also discuss her connection to the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza and the techniques she's embraced for healing and understanding her body's needs. And of course, we'll touch on her journey to motherhood and how it has reshaped her outlook on life. Join us in this heartfelt and enlightening conversation with Maria Menounos as she shares her journey of overcoming adversity, embracing change, and living a life filled with passion and purpose. Let's get started. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck and choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to creating an intentional life. Now, let that journey begin. I am so honored today to have Maria Menounos on Passion Struck. Welcome, Maria. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm going to start us off by talking about some of your foundations Looking back at your upbringing, how has being the daughter of Greek immigrants laid the foundation for the resilience and passion that you've shown throughout your life? I think my parents, whether it was through their culture or not, were just fighters and were hard workers and they just rolled with anything that came their way. And so I watched my dad as a severe type one diabetic growing up, working his butt off to put food on the table as a janitor, cleaning multiple nightclubs throughout Boston, along with my mom and my brother and I. And so we watched a hardworking man just push through a disease that was very challenging for him because he didn't speak the language. My parents are both immigrants and trying to get a grasp on a disease when you don't even speak the language is very difficult. There were no Greek translators. Let's just say that. So my dad would end up in the hospital constantly and rip the IVs out, go back to work. And he never really committed to his disease. He was never, oh, I'm a diabetic owning it. I think sometimes we own our illnesses a little bit too much. And it's one of my messages is be committed to possibility. Don't be committed to the illness or the disease. And I watched him do that. And then when my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma, stage four brain cancer, she had a smile on her face and she was never afraid. She was a total champion. And I don't know where she got the strength because I know I got my strength watching her walk through this the way she did. I don't think that I would have walked through the things that I did without seeing that model. So whether it's my Greek foundation and our Greek roots or just plainly who my parents are as people, that's, I think, what laid my foundation down pretty well. Okay. And I want to talk more about your mom in a second, but this podcast in many ways is about how do you create an intentional life? Or how do you take action to unearth the life that you want to create? And you are known for really having ambition and drive. Were there any defining moments or influences in your early life that sparked that? I think I was always mugging for the camera. I always was on the stage. So we used to clean this big nightclub called The Channel in Boston. All the biggest acts would go through there. And I would just be on stage performing for my family. And they're just sweeping and mopping and cleaning. And I'm like up there with whatever drum set, whatever. I never learned how to play any of these instruments, but I would always be performing. I always wanted to be in in that arena. As I got older and started watching the news, I loved Joan London and I loved how prestigious her position was and how she was doing something important. And I loved chasing the fire trucks. I loved knowing what was going on. I was curious. So 
I think all of those things were just always in me. And then just the tough times, I think, growing up with my dad almost dying on the regular with his low blood sugar attacks and different things. I was really eager to get out and do something great to help my family and to make something of myself. And I have a question here for one of my listeners. In an industry that's often criticized for superficiality, how have you managed to stay true to yourself and your values? Mm, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I have to give my parents a lot of that credit. I think they did a great job raising me, but also keeping me grounded throughout this. I always had my parents here with me. They would stay with me in California and my husband at the time, my boyfriend or partner, they were like my American Express card. I wouldn't leave home without them. So I would take them to the Oscars and I would take them to whatever event I was going to, because to me, it was not meaningful or fun unless I got to enjoy it with them and see it through their eyes. Almost like parents say they want to see things through their kids' eyes. My parents were immigrants from a village with no running water. They didn't have shoes. They didn't have toothbrush and they grew up hard. So for me to get to see them live this glitz and glamour, that was exciting for me. I didn't care so much. It was just more having them be a part of it. So I think being around them all the time definitely helped keep me grounded. Okay. And we're going to be talking about some of the low points that you faced, but you've also had many high points. Out of all your achievements in the entertainment industry, which one do you hold closest to your heart and why? My achievements in the entertainment industry, I think, well, becoming a New York Times bestselling author twice over was definitely shocking to me. I never thought in a million years I would write a book. And even when I wrote it, the publisher said, don't even think about it. It's not going to happen. And when I made it, and not only did I make it, I was number three on the list in the toughest category, advice and self-help. I was just blown away. So I think that for sure is something I'm not big on awards, but that meant a lot to me because that was all from within. It was from scratch building something. And then I think my work on nightly news, I think was a big accomplishment to be a part of the most prestigious half hour of news when news is something that I was really passionate about pursuing was really exciting. And that's where I got to interview the Obama family and that was historic because no one has had or had interviewed them as a family. So I would say those two things. Aside from my WWE performance, I mean, that's a given. Obviously, being 4-0 in the WWE and wrestling at WrestleMania is a highlight as well. Yes, I hadn't really understood that about you, but my dad is a huge fan. And when I told him that I was interviewing you, that was the first thing he brought up ah! was your wrestling career. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I grew up watching wrestling with my dad, loved it. And then when I met my now husband, he was friends with Shane McMahon. And there was a moment where maybe he was going to go right for them. And then I would maybe wrestle. I was a little stockier then, so I could have really done some damage. But uh, but I ended up moving to L.A. and pursuing all of the things that I did. But it was always still there. I always still wanted to do it. And I'm just grateful they gave me the opportunity. Well, I'm going to just ask you one question since the wrestling thing came up. If you were to create a wrestling alter ego for yourself, what would be your wrestling name and signature move? 
Well, I was going to be the golden Greek. That's where I really wanted to go with this. But then I got a brain tumor and then that just didn't work out anymore. But I wanted to be the golden Greek and I was going to have Greek dance into this, the arena and have everybody Greek dancing with me because I think interaction with the crowd is so fun. And maybe the signature move would be <laughs> the baklava or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or just smush them. But yeah crack some nuts on their head or something <laughs> walnuts well going back to your new york times that is such an accomplishment and i have my own book coming out in february so i know uh, everything that comes with releasing a book and the pressure and everything else so that's quite an accomplishment to do it twice thanks almost three times the third time i was just a couple books off but well i want to jump into both your journey through cancer and your mom's as well. And I wanted to first go into the area of reflecting and caregiving. Reflecting on your journey as a caregiver for your mom during her battle with glioblastoma, what were some of the most profound lessons you learned about caregiving and empathy that you can share with the audience? Oh, well, I learned a lot about kind of the journey that you can take it's so hard because it's a challenging journey. It's there's so much work and there's so much pain and there's so much suffering. And you're at some point I realized through my husband that I had been mourning her years before her even death because you lose a little bit of them along the way as they lose a little bit of themselves. So I had some really great people through my show heal squad that were wonderful and helpful. This woman, Diane, was incredibly helpful. She just shared with me that this was my mom's journey, not mine. I think Gabby Bernstein shared that same sentiment with me. A lot of people did that. It wasn't what I wanted. It's what she wanted. And sometimes that was hard to reconcile because I wanted to push and fight and come on, mom, get up. Let's move. If you don't move, we're not going to keep it. Once you lose it, that's it. You won't be able to get those muscles back. And at some point, she just didn't want to do it anymore. And I had to meet her where she was. And I think that's really hard for a lot of us that are dealing with patients that we love. We want them to stay forever. We want to push them. And ultimately, we do. We have to meet them where they are. So I think that was the toughest thing. Along with once you're in the system, <laughs> that's when you start to see the flaws and the holes. And we're so grateful for the incredible doctors that do incredible work, but they are still working within a flawed system that's really challenging. And again, people don't know it until they face it. I was helping a woman who reached out through my show this morning and the email just made me sick to my stomach. It was like, nobody knows what's happening. I've lost 30 pounds. I've got my stomach bloated out to here. My dad died of pancreas cancer. I have no appetite. Every doctor is a three-month wait, a referral here, fighting for a referral there. This one's saying it's nothing, no one listening to me. And so it's really hard. And when I started to even deal with hospice, I didn't know that they're given a certain budget a month and whatever they get to save, they get to keep. So that means maybe my mom won't get certain things because they'll deny her so that they can keep that money. All of a sudden, I'm having to pay for blood work out of pocket, which I shouldn't have. You start to see all of these things. And so caregiving is a whole journey in and of itself, whether it's through the physical caregiving or the emotional caregiving. You know, sometimes you're scared to talk about the things you're scared about. And those were big moments for me. There's you know, my mom looked to me like I was her Tom Brady. I was her quarterback. And I never wanted to show her fear. But there was one moment when 
I was really scared and the tumor had come back. And I think it was John Edward, my, my friend who's a psychic was like, you need to keep having conversations with her. And he really pushed me and I'm so grateful. And I went downstairs and I sat next to her on the couch and I just turned into her daughter and just cried and said, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I share that for people to know that you can do those things. On her last days, I had felt guilty about the times I was short or mean or stressed. And I apologized to her and I filmed it because I wanted to remember that I did it. And I wanted to remember what she said. God bless her. She was like, Maria, everything you did for me, please. She was just so forgiving and so quick, but that saved me so much heartache over these last few years since her passing, because I'll think of a moment where I got short with her. And then I remember she forgave me and she releases me of it every time. But we don't have those conversations because we're scared, but we need to. And that's part of the whole process. It's a tough process, but you definitely learn a lot and you grow a lot. I'm going to ask you a couple of follow-ons to that, especially around having these difficult conversations. And I know for me, when my grandmother was in hospice for her lung cancer and I showed up, she actually smiled at me and said, why are you? Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers... According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to PassionStruck. Wasting your time with me here. You could be out with your friends. Um, um, but it was one of the memories I cherish the most. But as I was talking to you before we came on, for the past three, four years, my sister has been battling pancreatic cancer. And last year, my fiance's father lost his battle with lung cancer. And during both of those evolutions, I have had to ask a lot of tough questions. My fiance has had to ask a lot of tough ones and they're not easy to do. When it came to discussing these tough topics related to your mom's health, how did you approach these conversations? Who usually initiated them? And what is your advice to navigating them if a listener is going through something like this? With my mom, it was me initiating them. But my mom had some moments where she wanted to ask me for my forgiveness for things, like little things she felt guilty about growing up. 
And I was like, mom, <laughs> you're holding on to this and carrying this. I don't even remember that I fell or whatever it was. So I think we both were having those moments. For me, I just had to muster up the courage and just do it. And I just share it with people all the time because like I said, the guilt we carry later is just too painful and so unnecessary because if we can just muster up the courage, you probably will be released of any of it very easily. So you just have to do it. Just be like Nike, just do it. And for me on my end, I remember even when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, I didn't tell anybody, but my husband and my best friend and then at some point, my husband said, you need to tell a few of your other friends, you need more support. It was so weird. I cried every time I told somebody feeling bad that I'm telling them this because I'm bringing bad news to their doorstep when I hadn't even cried about the diagnosis <laughs> or anything else. So they're just, they're awkward things and you have to just do it. That's it. One of my favorite episodes I did this past year was with my friend, Chris Carr, who you may know. And mm -hmm. we discussed her latest book, which is really all about grieving and emotions. What is your recommendation for listeners having navigated the grieving process with your mom on how, if they experience something like this, they can find healing and peace themselves? I think the grieving process is different for everybody. I think everyone grieves differently. So just remember that. And whatever that looks like for you is okay. If you just need to cry it out for a couple of weeks, cry it out, let it out. If you want to bury yourself in work, everyone's going to do it in a different way. I don't think there's a wrong way to really do it. I do think that trying to face as much of it as you can early on will help you later so that you can move on quicker and then try to carry their memory in a more positive way. So for me, I was like a walking zombie for just a couple of months, I just really sat in it. And I think there was just so much disbelief, like when you're taking care of someone for so long, and then they're gone. And now your identity is gone. I was a caretaker for so many years, I was in charge of someone's life in a big way. So there are adjustments that have to happen. And you have to find yourself again and figure out where you want to go now, and what you're going to do and reestablish new relationships like my dad. I realized so much of my relationship with my dad was through my mom. You know, you talk to your mom on the phone. Oh, mom, what about dad this? And then you say hello to your dad. But a lot of it was navigated through her. So I had to reestablish a new relationship with him. And ironically, the pancreas cancer, I think, was the way because we got to spend real time just together in a special way while I was healing. So, yeah, I think you just the more you can sit with it, I think the better. And, you know, I kept a picture and still have a big picture of my mom in my kitchen so that every day I can put my hand on her chest and say hello and feel like she's still there with me every single day. Find ways to keep their memory alive. I talk to her throughout the day. I ask her questions. I hear her answers. So, yeah. I think that's a very important thing to talk about because I earlier in the year had Rebecca Rosen on the show, who's a psychic, and she talked about just how much uh, you are able to communicate with the loved ones that you have and how you can get answers from them in so many different ways. So that's really a fitting way to for you to handle that. So thank you for that. And I know, and it's so hard for me to believe, but while your mom was going through her health challenge, you also discover that you have a brain tumor. How in the world did you balance caring for your mom while also 
having to take care of your own health. Mm-hmm. That was definitely my biggest concern. But I have a wonderful husband who really helped. And my dad really took charge. I sent them on a cross-country trip at one point because my dad was coming into my room seeing me just recovering from brain surgery is rough. And he would just burst into my room and cry. And so I looked at my husband, I go, send them on a road trip. He's like, what? And I go, it's their dream. Send them on a road trip. I can't heal if I have to keep faking that I'm okay for him. So we sent them back to the East Coast and I got my time to heal and they got a really great trip out of it. So everybody else just stepped up. Well, one of the things I really wanted to talk about, and I've done it in a couple episodes that I've had PanCan executives, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network executives on the show, is early detection. And I know for my sister, for a time, she felt like something was wrong. Her energy levels were depleted, but she really just couldn't put a finger on it. And I know you also faced a number of initial symptoms that prompted you to seek medical help. However, you weren't getting the answers that you seeked at that time. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for at least a year, I was feeling stuff. I was super bloated. I'd always had flat stomach, flat abs, and all of a sudden I've got a basketball and I would take pictures of it in the mirror and be like, what is this? What's going on? But just documenting. And then I got an endoscopy and colonoscopy. They found some stuff, but nothing connected to that. Then I started having severe abdominal pain, a couple of flights or one flight. I had severe abdominal pain. I thought it was the salad I was eating or whatever. Then I think it was in October or November, maybe I was in severe pain, went to the hospital. They did a scan. They said everything was fine. So thereafter, anytime I complain of pain, my doctor, which made sense, he said, we just scanned your body. You're fine. There's nothing there. But the radiologist had missed it. And so there was a two centimeter tumor on my pancreas at that time. It wasn't until I did a scan with an outside facility in January that they discovered it. And so I went back and, you know, it was confirmed and I had to have surgery. So they took the tail of my pancreas, spleen, 17 lymph nodes, and a fibroid (laughs) off my uterus, all in one surgery. Got it all out and pathology came back. Cancer hadn't spread anywhere. It was a neuroendocrine tumor. And that was it. I was luckily able to catch it before because by the time we found it in January, two months later, it had doubled in size. So it was on the move, even from biopsy. It was grade one in biopsy and then grade two in the pathology. Now they said that sometimes in different places, it'll be a different grade, but who knows? Yeah. Well, what went through your mind during this process, especially when tests like the CT scan initially showed that everything was fine, but you inherently knew it wasn't? It's weird because it comes and goes. So there were moments where I felt great. I was working out and I was feeling good. I'm like, okay. And then it would hit. So it's a very sneaky little disease or illness or situation, whatever you want to call it. But I knew I had to keep pushing. And maybe my mom sent that woman to me because I had tried everything at that point. Well, one of my good friends, Bill Potts, has beaten cancer six times. And he has written a great book called Up for the Fight, where he advocates in the book for the importance of being the CEO of your own health. And I know this is something that you Ah, also like to talk about. 
Can you elaborate on how your own intuition and self-advocacy played a critical role both in your diagnosis and treatment and why this is so important for other people to understand? Yeah, I mean, it's the basis of everything I do every day with this show, my podcast Heal Squad. I'm telling everyone every day, we have to take a lot more ownership over the healthcare situation in our lives because the doctors are overwhelmed and you know your body better than anybody at the end of the day. So you have to keep fighting for answers. You have to keep pushing. If something isn't feeling right, you've got to keep going and getting a new doctor. If your doctor is maybe gaslighting you or and that's happened to me too, you just have to keep pushing. If the pain persists, so should you. You got to keep looking. And sometimes you have to go to an outside facility like I did. I had done everything at that point that I thought was possible. I did not consider getting a second opinion on the CT scan which is what I should have done. And so in the future, if you feel like you got a scan and you're still having pain, take it to another facility and get a second opinion because maybe they missed it. People are exhausted. People have intense lives. Maybe they're dealing with a caregiving situation at home and they're still trying to do their shifts at the hospital. There's so many situations that could be going on. People are being negligent. It's just they're human. So you really have to be educated in this. Financial literacy is really important. I think health literacy is really important now. Yeah. And I would just wanted to shortly tell the story of my sister's experience because she initially was found to have a two centimeter tumor, like you described on her head of her pancreas. And then where they do CT scans and they had shown that it had metastasized and that she wasn't eligible for it anymore, but she felt great. She didn't feel like their test was accurate. And so she advocated, she had UT Austin do an MRI, which showed that it hadn't metastasized, but still MD Anderson wasn't buying it. So she had to go through having to get a liposuction. They did an MRI. It didn't show anything. They then went in to take a piece of it to examine whether there was anything on her liver. They didn't find anything. And then they reluctantly agreed to do the Whipple surgery. And the doctor told her afterwards that he imagined after about five minutes, he was going to have to sew her up. But as it turns out, they didn't find any evidence of it. And she was able to have the Whipple. So my thought, just like you is, if you have intuition, if you use whatever resource you have, because we ended up eliciting the help of a board member at PanCan who actually went to a doctor he knew at MD Anderson, who got the oncologist who were treating her to do a board to review it, everything. But if that had never happened, she probably would have never had that surgery. So So, what did they say about the MRI that had all the metastasis on it? Was it somebody else's? They can't explain it. They can't explain if it was a bad reading or, or what exactly happened. And I also have a hard time understanding why they only rely on CTs and will not look at MRIs. Uh, they at MD Anderson, they only use CTs. Yeah, and exams. the CTs they said aren't clear enough. Yes, it is. The whole thing is so confusing to me. Yeah. Well, one of the areas, yeah, I wanted to go into with you is I understand that you were able to diagnose your cancer because you had access to a full body scan, and for the average person, insurance. Let's face it, they're not covering these, although. I am seeing more companies that are providing them. For a person who doesn't have access to things like that, what is available for them to detect pancreatic cancer? And what would you suggest if they did want to do a full body scan? So 
It's really hard right now. It's definitely a mission of mine to get these covered for people because it makes sense for insurance companies to do this. But there's, it's just, you have to keep pushing. And I think an MRI is going to be your best bet is getting somebody to give you that MRI to check whatever you're feeling because a CT scan isn't going to be clear enough. If you can negotiate a financing plan with one of these outside scan companies, that's an idea. Doing GoFundMes, people do that all the time with success. Where there's a will, there's a way. We have to fight. And that outside scan saved my life. So I don't know what I would have done if that wasn't available. Yes. Well, I just hope that we start using these things more prevalently because to me, you spend a lot less money when you detect something early than when they have to spend all the money and resources to fight it longer on. Well, Marie, this is another question from a listener, and they wanted to ask you when the days were really tough, those really hard ones where you feel defeated, what was the motivation you had to overcome and be the strong warrior that it took you to overcome this? And how did you remain positive? There were definitely moments I was on my knees and not thinking I was going to make it and really scared. My husband was a great resource of strength for me, but I also have such a strong relationship with God and our healing saints, St. Saint Nectarios and the Virgin Mary. And I prayed to all three of them every day. And I asked for help. I asked for guidance like I always do. And I know they gave me strength. And I started to realize that I was predicting an ending to a story and it's not my choice. There's nothing I can do. And so I had to leave it to God. And I had to believe that there was possibly a better ending. I had a baby on the way. I had to focus on that. I started using this technique called uh, choose wonder over worry. So I would say, I wonder what it's going to be like when the doctor calls me with good news next. And he would. I wonder what it's going to be like when I get through surgery and I'm okay and I'm safe. And so I just kept doing that. You have to use tools in these moments. You have to use quotes. You have to use movies, whatever inspiration you can get. That's why with the show, I'm so passionate about what we do because we're bringing in experts that are sharing those tools that are giving us these different ways to look at things, these different ways to go through these devastating journeys. I think that we need more examples of people going through things in a different way. For example, I had a moment recently where I thought something was going south. And I said, I wonder if this is, if we just, instead of looking at things like, oh my gosh, can you believe this is happening? Oh my gosh, I have this horrible diagnosis. What if we started looking at it like, what if it's God redirecting us? What if it's God showing us that we need to pay more attention to this area or to something in our lives that's hurting us, that's not good for us or something like that. And then once I thought that, I started using it and it really helped me a lot. Well, I can completely relate to that because it was that same exact situation that caused me to do what I'm doing today. And I really leaned into that relationship that I have with God. And I learned that I wasn't doing what he wanted me to be doing, which mm -hmm. is what I'm doing today. And speaking of those sayings that you brought up earlier, I know that you have a really strong connection to the teachings of Dr. Joe Dispenza, whom I greatly admire myself. Can you share, in addition to those thoughts, some of the most effective techniques or tools you've adopted from his work, connect with your body and soul for healing and understanding your body's needs? I think Dr. Joe's techniques have been game-changing. Tony Robbins as well. It's funny, he and I were chatting the other day 
And I was just saying how grateful I am to him again, because if I hadn't gone to his seminars, I wouldn't have gathered those tools that helped me through these challenging moments. That was more foundation being laid down. Life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. Um, With Dr. Joe, it was a whole other level of calming my nervous system down and really changing my thoughts. I had a lot of really fear-based thoughts that were ticking over my brain a lot. And I was able to really make incredible change in my head, what goes on between my ears. And then of course that had its effect on my nervous system and took anxiety away and so much. So I credit both of them uh, immensely with helping me pour a new foundation because the foundation we get as young people is one thing. You got to keep pouring. I have additions. (laughs) I'm building additions to my house. Can you tell us about your journey to becoming a mother and how it has changed your outlook on life? Well, my priorities are in a whole other place. For example, I have to go right now because I have to go be with my baby. She uh, is the light of my life. Uh, It's been a 10-year journey to get to her. And I know that she's ushered in a whole new chapter for me and my family. It's just pure joy. She's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. She's my greatest blessing. And I'm going to teach her and I am teaching her by example every single day to be the CEO of her health. Well, Maria, thank you so much for doing this. It was such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Appreciate it. What an incredible interview that was with Maria Menounos. And I wanted to thank Maria and PanCan for the honor and privilege of having her appear on today's show. Links to all things Maria will be in the show notes at passionstruck.com. Please use our website links if you purchase any of the books from the guests that we feature here on the show. All proceeds go to supporting the show. Videos are on YouTube at both our main channel at John R. Miles and our clips channel at Passion Struck Clips. Please go and subscribe. Advertiser deals and discount codes are in one convenient place at passionstruck.com deals. Please consider supporting those who support the show. I also wanted to tell you about the Passion Struck 50-week challenge, which just started in January. Every week in my newsletter, I'm going to drop a new challenge that will help get you closer to living a passion-struck life. Go to passionstruck.com right now and sign up for the newsletter and get access to every challenge throughout the year. And you'll also be able to sign up for a Facebook group that will be supporting everyone who's taking the challenge. I'm at John R. Miles on all the social platforms, and you can sign up for my work intentionally newsletter on LinkedIn. And if you want to know how I managed to book the amazing guests like Maria Menounos on my show, it's because of my network. Go out there and build your network before you need it. You're about to hear a preview of the Passion Struck podcast interview that I did with Jen Gottlieb, a powerful figure in the world of personal branding and an authentic communicator. Jen has an illustrious career as a VH1 host, Broadway actress, and co-founder of Super Connector Media. And she brings a tapestry of her experiences to the table. Her best-selling book, Be Seen, it's not just a title. It's a manifesto for those seeking to make a difference in their field. I'm very guilty of like saying like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. At, I'm not good at that. But if you just take the word get and you tie it on to any sentence and you say, I'm not good at that yet. All of a sudden you give yourself a little bit more like, you can do it, a little bit more courage. I'm not good at that yet because maybe you're not good at it, but you absolutely can get good at it. You absolutely can. And if you look backwards for proof that you are good at learning and implementing and sticking with the commitments that you make with yourself and you have done really awesome things in your life, then you can always bring that part of you back. 
The fee for this show is that you share it with family or friends when you find something useful or inspirational. If you found today's episode with Maria Menounos useful or interesting, then definitely share the show with someone who could use her advice. The greatest compliment that you can give us is to share the show with those that you love and care about. In the meantime, do your best to apply what you hear on the show so that you can live what you listen. And until next time, go out there and become passion struck. Oh, 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 o